Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 454 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Todd. Yes. I finally found out a lot about social media today. Did you? I found out that you can do direct messages on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I found out, other than getting extra rewards in Marvel Puzzle Quest, what Facebook is good for. Oh. Can you tell us, or is it a super secret? No. You were supposed to say, what was it? Oh, what was it? (laughs) Today is the five-year anniversary of us us launching this iteration of the show as Longbox Heroes. Really? Yes. Hmm. I wonder if I knew that or if I commented on that post at all. You did comment on that post. Oh, then I did know it. Right, but that was like seven hours ago. I can't. Ex- you can't be expected to remember things that happened way back over there. Oh, that is seven. Seven is the max. At six uh, forty six hours and forty five minutes, I start to get fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so five years of doing it as this version, you know, we did it for a couple years under uh, Weekly Longbox, and then we did it for the year as Three Guys from Nowhere back some ten years ago, perhaps. But, you know, I'd say outside of two little breaks uh, in between going from Weekly Longbox to Longbox Heroes and your uh, your heart opportunity... <laughs> yes, it was an opportunity. Yes, it was an opportunity to maybe get a new heart. Oh, if they could find the old one, they would put a new one in. Right. Uh, I'd say that's a pretty good stretch of shows. I, I do, too. I yeah. think we've done pretty pretty darn good, Joe. I'd say we're consistently putting out some some bang-up work. So, Todd, to kick off year six, what do we have to talk about on this week's show? In the news segment, we're just it, the the news segment is just slathered with the Rob news. <laughs> we also have uh, a follow up on Adam Hughes's hardcover, um, some murky stuff when it comes to the Swamp Thing TV show, and a Walking Dead news that's going to tie into uh, what we read uh, last week too. Um, we also have con news free digital books and sales, what we read last week, which was Criminal Number 5, Incredible Hulk Last Call Number 1, and Walking Dead 192. I hope I have that number right, because my handwriting is terrible. Right, and that Walking Dead 192 is going to be spoiler-filled, so we'll give you ample warning uh, both here and in the show notes. I'm almost certain that it's been spoiled pretty much everywhere, but we don't want to add to that spoiler pile. That's right. We're going to have what we're looking forward to this week with Joe's small pile and my huge pile. Um, also, at the end, we're going to have spoiler-filled talk of the second episode of Good Omens and the second episode of Swamp Thing. Yes. So you mentioned Swamp Thing there. Let's kind of get into that as it's been a discussion over the last couple of weeks here. We don't typically delve so heavy into the TV and movie news, rumor, and innuendo, but the Swamp Thing story is big so we have to discuss it of course you know there was the story um and do we delve into this uh that swamp thing wasn't canceled 
I was going to do it. to make any more. I was going to jo- I was going to do that joke when I was when I was teasing the news where you know Swamp Thing they're it's they're not doing anymore. No, I mean it's canceled. I don't know. I think we had a, a rousing discussion uh over the weekend about it, but if you want to touch on it, I'm I'm more than more than willing to give it a try. Right. So they're not making any more Swamp Thing after the 10 that have already been made, which was initially cut down from 13 to 10. And the reason that they're not doing so is apparently because there was an issue with where they were filming in North Carolina and a tax credit and the way that things were misfiled uh, that they had. So they had requested $16 million in state grant monies. They got 12, but they had already spent five on the pilot so they were severely under budget from what they were getting in as the state grant money. Right. So that's why it got cut from 10 to or from 13 to 10 episodes, but because it was such a big production loss, uh that they were saying that it was almost 40 million dollars in total to produce the 10 episodes of the <laughs> show that DC Warner Brothers what have you looked at it as just a loss and decided we're not going to make another season of this. Now, we always get into discussion on these topics when Netflix has gone through and canceled, in air quotes, the Jessica Jones, the Luke Cage, the Iron Fist, the Punisher, the Defenders, all these shows. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world where we still remember regular TV where they cancel a show where it's an episodic thing, show's supposed to be on at a certain time, you know, that death slot, say, after Married with Children on Sundays. And it's a mid-season replacement, so maybe we're conditioned that we're not going to get a full 20-some-odd episodes. But then all of a sudden, three episodes in, it's replaced by a bonus episode of Married with Children, right? Mm-hmm. So that show got canceled. It's gone. They made X amount of those shows. They showed three of them, and they decided this show was doing so poorly... We're just going to throw the six or nine or 19 other ones that we have in the garbage. Because that's how bad these three have performed. It's not as though the first episode of Swamp Thing performed so poorly that DC has decided, well, we have these other nine episodes that are in a streaming service, so we're just going to cancel it off the streaming service and no one will ever get to see them. Because as all these stories were going out, Swamp Thing canceled, Swamp Thing canceled, all this other stuff. The DC news aggregator that I subscribe to sends out a thing. Uh, it's essentially, I'm on the list that does these things for all the websites. And <laughs> the email usually comes through, it's like, hey, Swamp Thing's out today. Don't forget to remind people that they can get like a free trial or, you know, this is a new thing. Or, hey, we're putting this episode up here for free for the weekend because this is coming out. Like all that sort of stuff, right? This one is... Hey, news people, with all these stories that you're saying, you're neglecting to mention that we have nine more episodes of the show, which are going to air, debuting every Friday on the streaming service, and these are not being canceled, they're just not making another season. And I'm like, this is why I hate when they say these streaming shows are canceled, because I have the mindset of canceled means we're getting no more. And the ones that we have, they're taking those away too. But 
see, I and I'll argue, and I hate argue. This is I hate arguing with you. I no, don't. You love arguing this with me because. I look at it as you're not getting any more, right? You know, in the old ways. So, but you, you go, oh, well, I can watch any of these streaming shows because they're there constantly. Yes. By that logic, I can watch Everybody Loves Raymond on, on Nickelodeon every night. Right. It's not canceled. There right. it is. I can watch it. There's a difference between a show being canceled and a series finale or a finite series. And I asked this to you when we spoke about this over this last week. And I looked this up, so go ahead. Was Game of Thrones canceled, Todd? No, it was finished. And I looked oh, this but- up. They, they have a set. They have a saying for shows that if they want to do more, if the production company wants to do more and the TV station says no, you're canceled. If everybody agrees... We're done like MASH, Game of Thrones, anything else where everybody comes together and goes, you know what? We think this show has run its course. We're going to do a season, a series finale. Right. They, they have official word for it. The show is finished. They, they have, have finished their run. Right. Well, they, uh, anything else, if you want, if you go, oh, we want to do another season. No, we're not giving you any more money. You're canceled. Okay. There's a difference between that. And again, I'm sure... HBO would love another season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. It's not like a- HBO came to the makers of the Game of Thrones TV show and said, this is the most successful show we've had since The Sopranos. Everyone loves it. It's the last appointment viewing show in recent memory. Stop making it after this season. HBO would never say that. If it was up to HBO, they would make these forever. And they're going to in spinoffs and stuff. This okay, story is over. Okay. Spinoffs are different. MASH was not canceled. Seinfeld was not canceled. Game of Thrones was not canceled. Everyone Loves Raymond was not canceled. These are shows that the people involved, creative, or in front of the camera, behind the camera, whatever it is, decided, I want to do something else. This is making a lot of money. This is the last season that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So did Ray Romano, by wanting to go do Welcome to Mooseport, cancel everyone loves raymond sure yeah, finished did C- would cbs like more episodes of new first run episodes of everyone loves raymond i'm sure they absolutely would but they're not getting them cbs did not cancel everyone loves raymond raymond and- just decided to stop making the show that's making cbs a lot of money and that's what i said shows that when now granted the 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 uh, the networks or whatever want to go as long as they'll make money, but if you know the people who are writing it, the people who are acting in it, there's a difference when they say, you know what, this is the ending of our show. This is how we want to go out. This is the way we want to do it. This is the way we want to end it. That's a show that's finished. Anything else, like I said, we want to do more, mm-hmm. but we don't have the ratings. That's canceled or the money for what we're doing. And that swamp thing kind of falls into that weird thing of like, there was a tax thing, blah, 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 but it's still, you're not worth it to what we're making. You're canceled. Right. So this is, this is from the recent uh, issue of business insider where they spoke to production people who said that they were unaware that the show wasn't coming back for a second season. Mm-hmm. That they said that there was such str- strong buzz before 
this announcement came through, and when production stopped, quote, we walked away with sets standing. We were told not to tear them down because we'd be coming back for another season. Right. So they uh, weren't. So how is that not canceled? Okay, but it's but that's the thing. It's not canceled. They're just deciding not to make more. If they stopped and the, we never got anything more than that first episode of Swamp Thing. This is not, and I always use this as the reference, the, um, and I always feel bad that I forget her name. She was Roller Girl in... Emily Reasons Why Not. She's right. Heather Graham. Heather Graham. Heather Graham is a TV show called Emily's Reasons Why Not. It's on ABC, or NBC, gets a huge marketing push, the whole thing. After the first commercial break, it was online that they've canceled the series. Right. That they're not going to show the rest of the, se- the, the seasons. And I think they may have even canceled. And again, to give you an idea of what sort of in between world we were living in, that that stuff was sort of happening that quickly on the Internet, that they canceled the West Coast showing of the show. That is canceled, too. That is. No, no, no that is we're, canceled. When that's canceled. We spent all of this money to make the show, to make dozens of episodes of the show, and you're getting half of one. Some people are getting zero of this. We're at least getting these ten episodes of Swamp Thing. Hopefully they wrapped it up to make it a self-contained thing. James Wan, the director, or the uh, the, the executive producer on this, um, he, he had said that uh, there was also a lot of sunk. Oh, wait, what am I looking at here? What he said. Uh, don't really understand why it was canceled. Again, I hate that he's buying into it, too. Uh, but I can tell you the cast, the crew, production, writing team poured their hearts into this. Really proud of everyone's hard works. Uh, go watch these 10 episodes and immortalize this show. Yeah, so, I, and I like the way you say, I don't like the way this guy who's in Hollywood <laughs> is buying into this. No, me, the guy who's announced some wrestling and has a, has a little podcast, <laughs> I'm right. I'm so, right about oh, the way Hollywood works. I'm not saying that I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying, oh, I'm not right or wrong. No, it's not that way. They're not making any more. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying what you what you're saying isn't right. I'm aware that I'm hung up on semantics on this. Mm-hmm. And this is the last thing that I'll say about it. I'll always remember Ed O'Neill talking about Married with Children when it was canceled. Where he said, I was on, I was at this little bed and breakfast and I'm sitting there and this couple comes up to me and they said, oh, it's good to see you. Can we get your, can we get a picture with you? We're on our honeymoon, this and that. And we're really sorry to hear about your show being canceled. We heard it on the radio. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, it was just on the radio that they're not doing another season of uh, Married with Children. And he goes, he goes, you know what? He goes that if there's any way. I'm going to hear that my show was canceled. I'd rather it this way than the empty suits. And he bought them like champagne for their honeymoon and everything. He said, thank you very much. Have a nice, you know, marriage. I'm going to go with Ed O'Neill is the final saying on what's canceled and what's not. And that's the last, that's the last thing I'm going to say about it. The word is canceled. It has many meanings. We're good. You could live in your they're not making any more world for all you want. I do live in the they're not making any more world. Okay. And yes, I'm aware that I'm hung up on semantics on it, and I have no problem with being hung up in my semantic land. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Swamp Thing got canceled. You know what, Joe? This is one of my pet peeves with this kind of stuff. I'm just saying. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but anyway. Anywho. Uh, so actual comic book news. Um... Apparently, this week, we're getting an announcement of the next Brian Michael Bendis project at DC, and there's a very good chance 
that it's going to be somehow Legion of Superhero related. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bendis has been teasing on his Tumblr or Instagram or some sort of other social media platform all sorts of Legion of Superhero stuff. But Bendis has been notorious to be a liar and deceptive when it comes to these sort of things. Like, kind of lead you one way and then give you something else. He's told us many times that he has more story and better ending, so he's mm-hmm. never lied. So I'll be interested to see. They give the. It's been a while since we've had a official Legion of Superheroes look, hasn't it? A, a, an official book? The last time we had a Legion of Superhero book ongoing not a mini because there was that legion of three worlds um was the that started out with the uh mark wade barry kitson one do you remember yep that so that was pre-new 52 no there was a new 52 one i remember because uh our uh our local legion of superhero historian our local comic retailer Whenever I say that, that that was the last one, Mark Wade, Barry Kitson, he's like, no, there was a Legion one in New 52 nobody remembers. But, and again, so even if that was the last one, mm-hmm. which there's a very good chance that there could be, that's eight years since there's been a Legion book. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that this is going to be the next thing that Bendis is going to be doing. Is it going to be in conjunction with Superman? Where is this going to put the alleged Batman book that he's supposed to be doing? Hmm. You know what? That's interesting now that you put it that way because he's doing Superman. I didn't think of that. And Legion of Superheroes has always been in conjunction with Superman somehow because he's what, you know, inspired the Legion and everything. So I wonder if that's going to be, and then I heard rumors or people, not rumors, but people asking if it was going to be under the wonder line too. Cause it's, you know, the Legion's a teenage team book. So, you know, you have a lot of teenage heroes at, or younger in the wonder line, which he's, you know, uh, helming. So who knows, you know, that will be interesting to see where that all fits. And I think putting it into the wonder line would probably be the best bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so where this came in was the Legion of Superhero book from New 52 ran for two years, allegedly. And then they did a six-issue reintroduction during Jeff Lemire's Justice League United. Didn't know about that. Right, and if we're going to point at that... Uh, it has been four years since there's been any sort of Legion period in the DC universe. Um, but there was now we're, that was in that wasn't in Rebirth, you said, right? At all? No, because because there Rebirth has been a couple. Was like, of, that was like right before Rebirth. Right, we've had a few of the Legion running around in Rebirth. Remember, one of them was at Arkham Asylum, and I think there might have been touched on like a ring somewhere that they showed so they've been hinting at it like in the background well it wasn't saturn girl and a bunch of other legion stuff in the most recent issue of doomsday clock yes and she was also a member of arkham asylum when batman was putting his suicide squad team to go to bane's island she was in one of the one of the which ended up being finished she met all the crazies in doomsday clock right 
So it'll be interesting to see what Bendis does with the Legion of Superheroes. I've always preferred Bendis more on a solo hero than on a team book, because invariably everyone ends up having the same voice. And I'm not a big Legion guy either, so I've read like two runs of Legion. One was the Barry uh, Barry Barry Kiss and Mark Wade run, and then the Keith Giffen Legion '89 run, which doesn't even count to me as a Legion book sometimes. So I've never been a Legion guy, if you will. It's definitely creator driven for me. Mm-hmm. I like the concept of it, but the concept really never clicks for me. I always try it. The closest that's come to clicking is the aforementioned Mark Wade, Barry Kitson run that you mentioned. Right. And I think Mark Wade and Barry Kitson can do a book on pretty much anything, and it could make sense. Yeah, I agree. Sea Empire from mm-hmm. IDW, remember? Yes. What was it? The pitch was, what if Doctor Doom won? Yes, pretty much. I don't know why I could get into that title, Joe. Yeah. You're like, Dr. Doom already won. I don't know what you're talking about. He's in the villain book Fantastic Four every month. <laughs> That's right. He's he's a subplot in his in that villain book where the hero shows up occasionally. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get into the big, me- uh, I would say maybe the big meteor story, just another follow-up on a story that we've been disc- discussing here on the show. Let me get out my note. Uh, since January... When this was originally solicited, uh, we were discussing at the time a bunch of DC trades and collections and so forth that were being solicited and then canceled and all this other stuff that was going on. And just at the beginning of the year, I looked at what those solicitations were to see what would be coming out. And wouldn't you know who won the pony? None of them did. (laughs) And there was one in particular, which was an Adam Hughes hardcover. That I said is never coming out. It's never coming out. And Todd said, well, there's a chance. But sometimes DC will do something where uh, they'll get mad at Adam Hughes for some reason and then cancel the book. And this was one of the ones where the book wasn't canceled. They specifically said it was going to be resolicited somewhere down the line. Now I'm going to turn this story over to you, Todd, since you were the one who put your Detective Comics detective hat on right. to do some of the legwork on this one. Right. So I was basically thumbing through Facebook, and I'm another a, thing I, Facebook is good for. Yes, and I was fo- and I follow Adam Hughes because um, back in the day he used to put all his information on there of how to get sketches before they became unaffordable for me. So. Um, I was looking at and news of like variants that he's doing and stuff. And Allison, who's his wife, um, and she does a lot of the uh, the uh, social media stuff, so he doesn't have to. Um, said that she was shocked to hear that they didn't even know that the book had been like solicited and was ready to. They were going to do you know, uh, it in November, which I think was the original release date. Cause she was like, Oh, they said that they were putting an extra, she said 200, but in the solicitor said a hundred pages of stuff, new art, new, you know, write ups about the art and stuff like that. And she's like, well, we don't have any of that stuff ready. And as, as she went on, she was like, because we have to pull all that and Adam has to choose what he likes best. And then he has to do write ups about it. Um, and there was a uh, misunderstanding because is it Mark Chiacetto was the original editor? I want to say if it's Mark, but I know it's Chiacetto was his last uh, name. Chiarello. Chiarello. Yeah, Chiarello. Yeah, Chiacetto is a guy who does like art over at Marvel, but I get you. 
Right. I was, uh, Chiarello was the original editor and then they let him go and the new guy showed up, I guess not knowing that Adam had to do all that stuff. So he greenlit the project and then like they, they found out about it and they're like, no, we don't have uh, all this extra stuff. And it got put on hold. But Allison's saying like, we want to do it. There's more stuff. We have all this stuff. Adam, but Adam's doing those covers for Invisible Woman and his schedule is locked up. But he goes, because the original hardcover, she said, took him three months just to do all that stuff. So she said, we want to do it. They're eager to do it. We're eager to do it. It's just we have to find the time. Hearing all this and like, you know, she put her spin on it, you know, misunderstandings happen. I would have been a little angrier than than she was about the way it went down. But, you know, she's, you know putting the, the rose colored glasses on and says it's going to happen. So this leads me more to believe that DC, DC really wants this project because every Adam Hughes thing for art always seems to sell. Mm-hmm. So I think it will happen. Sometimes it's just Adam has to find the time to do it. Right. So I, I want to uh, kind of point back to the rose colored glasses on this, right? Okay. So, uh, Allison Hughes gives the kind of regales everyone with the tale of how this goes with this editor, Mark Chiarello, who was the, the editor on the original volume of the cover run thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And she says that the book didn't get much further than them saying, won't this be great? And how much more new material do you think we should include? Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes on to say no contracts, no schedules, no price for page submissions or discussion of what would actually be the content of the book. Right. When Mark was let go, this new editor just called him up and said, hey, I'll be your new editor on that project. And that was the end of it. And then they see that the book gets solicited to be coming out in November. And as you had mentioned, of course, um, they're saying that the book should still happen. They haven't seen a contract on it yet. Mm-hmm. and uh hate to make promises before stuff is set in writing. Uh, Adam wants to do it. DC wants him to do it. Uh, so we think it's going to get done. I just don't know at this time when, so can't provide you with any firm date. Uh, I think it's great DC wants to go forward. They're willing to let us resolicit when Adam is ready, as opposed to pushing him to get something done. Uh, just not canceled. <laughs> and then she says, right, just not canceled. Uh just says that the the offices must have been pretty chaotic after March Mark left. Mistakes are bound to happen. I think this one is harmless. We'll sort it out. Uh so on and so forth. I think we're starting to see where things went wrong at at DC with their uh reprinting stuff. Like I think maybe when they lost him, they got some people who weren't ready to take over, Joe. So I wanted to kind of bring up the story because of that, of course. But I also wanted to put up, like, bring this up that there were editors at DC that were getting huge name creators to agree to huge name products. And no one was, no one on either side was clear of what it was going to be about, mm-hmm. when it was going to come out, and like, what the terms of it was going to be, contracts, like nothing was done. It was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did another one? Yeah, it would be. Put it in the solicit, put it in previews. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, what What are we doing, guys? 
Well, what happened was there was a miscommunication once that editor left. See, I'm <laughs> my check cleared for DC, so I'm gonna I'm gonna Allison rose colored glasses this and just go. Uh, the original editor uh, Chiarello had it all ready, like had knew what he needed to do and send those papers off. He got fired. The new guy came in, figuring, hey, I I have the emails that all this is ready, you know, is is a go. Wouldn't it be great? He must have sent those papers. So I'll solicit it. It's just a big Three's Company misunderstanding, Joe. Oh, my goodness. And Three's Company with us a misunderstanding. Somebody spills a vase on John Tripp or Jack Tripper and his pants look like he peed himself. This is like soliciting like an oversized hardcover that's retailing for $75. That has at least 100 pages of new material from one of the best, albeit slowest, artists currently going today. Um, you I know what they should they should I just can't take help but to laugh. I'm sorry. I, I know, and they should take a page out of when they reprinted the Wisdom of Lobo. Do you remember that? No. Uh, okay, I may have told this story on the show before. Um, but it was back when they were reprinting Lobo. They were reprinting all the Lobo in a slipcase edition. It was like here's the Keith Giffen uh, Lobo book that Bisley drew, and then here's like a various and it was a it was weird choose your own adventure, but it was early Lobo stories in it. So there was a second book, and then they were putting a brand new third book in it, Joe, of unpublished material called The Wisdom of Lobo. So you bought the slipcase edition. You take the first trade out. It's the it's the Lobo miniseries. You take the second one out. It's the Choose Your Own Adventure book. You take the third one out, The Wisdom of Lobo. It was 120 blank pages. And the whole joke was Lobo don't don't have no wisdom. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you for buying our, our, our slipcase edition. Oh, that's a good that's a good rib. People went nuts, Joe. People are like, I bought this. I paid X amount for this extra trade that has nothing in it. I was like, oh, I bought one. I don't know. That's one of them that actually I don't have anymore. It kind of fell apart oh. uh, because I was reading The Wisdom of Lobo over and over and over again. But I don't know where I have, but I ended, I got suckered by it. Also, I got suckered by their never reprinting Inf- <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Earths again. So what do I know? That 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 wisdom of a lobo. That's a good rib. I've never heard that one before. I like. That. I think there's even like postcards in there, like with new art on it. But yeah, at it least was... it's something. You know, like it wasn't just the blank pages. You got some extra stuff. I was like one of my uh, go-to crutch jokes would be uh, in the world of professional wrestling. I would say, oh. Uh, I saw the DVD of the best of blank. Fill in your favorite, at least favorite wrestler here. They were selling a whole spindle of them at Best Buy, 50 the bunch. <laughs> okay. See, because they're blank. They have no good matches anyway. Anywho. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if and when that Adam Hughes uh, hardcover comes out. I'm still betting on never. Uh, you You're betting on no, you said? I'm betting on never. Okay, I'm betting on it's coming. As soon as that contract gets some ink on it. It's going to be a special insert on Doomsday Clock 12. <laughs> What's going to come out first, Doomsday Clock 12 or that uh, that Adam Hughes hardcover? I'm going to say Doomsday Clock 12 because they said it's coming out in November in time to get the first trade out for Christmas. Mm-hmm. All good. We shall see, Todd. Mm-hmm. 
So in the last bit of news, and I want to preface this uh, news story that we're about to do by saying I genuinely like Rob Liefeld. I definitely think while being one of the more controversial <laughs> figures in the world of comics in the last 30 years, he is very outspoken. His heart is in the right place. And he has stay he's had staying ability much longer than that than many of his contemporaries. Now let the burial commence. <laughs> Boy. Okay. So over the weekend, Rob, the Rob, as he's referred to here, took to Twitter saying that essentially kind of saying that DC is done. That they're gonna drive off a cliff real soon, gotta get my popcorn. That he's drawing uh, pleasure from seeing DC fail. Uh, essentially saying that they're in the mindset of more Batman will fix things, getting into arguments with fans, getting into arguments with other creators like Mark Millar, amongst others, uh, saying that thankfully when DC goes under, Jim Lee could draw the X-Men again, <laughs> wins all around. Wow. Uh, just trying to say some, look at some of the other, uh, fun things that he's saying that while he is saying that DC is dying, he did just recently, three months ago, do some variant covers for them. And he pushed the sales up on those books and left. Now, this is not the first time that he's bashed DC online. He's bashed them multiple times, uh, online over the last seven or so years. Then, while all this was going on, uh, we've discussed on the show before the Major X character mm -hmm. uh, that Rob created in the Major X book. And there was an editor issue, uh, miscommunication, where whoever the artist on the Spider-Man Deadpool team-up book put Major X as, like, a character who was, like, falling down a pit into hell or something. And a lot of people were saying that that was Major X's first appearance. And Rob blew a gasket saying that it's not his first appearance. The first appearance is here and you could buy special covers on my website of it. <laughs> I refuse to sign any copies of this. And now Marvel has been doing a thing where they do facsimile editions, like super cheap reprints of some key books to their history going back to the 60s and even their more recent history, like New Mutants number 98, the first appearance of Deadpool. Well, Rob has also come out and said that he will not sign that either. Now, Rob is one of those guys that'll sign books, but he is very forward and forthcoming and saying, listen, I know if you're having me sign New Mutants number 98, it's more than likely because you want the value on that book to go up. So I'm going to charge you a couple bucks to sign that book. If you want me to sign X-Force number seven, that means nothing to nobody. I'll sign it, no problem. But these key books, I'm going to charge you a premium for. But now he's also refusing to sign the facsimile books in addition to the fake first appearances of characters he's created. He and like you said though he it's not like X Force Seven he he still charges you for that but it's right, just but he charges you like an additional premium for those key books right and then a premium on top of that if they're signature series from CGC right I didn't know if you knew that too it, that's fun to and he also charges you know he has that sp specific Liefeld signature yes 
that that he'll he'll throw down i think when he signs on a check for x amount of dollars for more money he'll do the significant liefeld that he puts on his art he has a whole tier thing it's fantastic so then the fighting continues now with going back and forth about dc uh him saying that the uh he is a DC fan. He owns more DC comics than you could imagine. Uh, so he doesn't want to see DC fail, but it is failing. Then he starts taking pot shots at people's physical appearances while doing this. <laughs> uh, then he starts calling people trolls and talking about people being butthurt and all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then he turns it on a dime and says, Marvel or DC are not going away anytime soon. Get over it. Not realizing that he's the one who kind of started all this. Yeah, it's kind of like, why are you complaining about this thing that I may or may not have said seven hours ago? Right. So, I think Rob may have had a rough weekend. I I think so, too. But I think right around this... Somebody said, too, that around this weekend, I don't know on this, that he he got flack for his, like, seven-year-old kickstarter brigade comic Mm -hmm. that he's kind of has to give refunds out and stuff like that and this may be a smoke screen for that Mm -hmm. so like to take heat off him there i don't know like i think rob got too big too fast back in the day and doesn't realize like he's too big for his own britches i don't know I'm with you. i like rob i met the rob once he was nice enough to take a picture with me changed the way I looked at him, you know, got rid of all that animosity I had him for his art and everything. And I was like, all that goodwill. And in the last like couple years, he's just whittled it all away where I'm like, we're back to square one. <laughs> I'm not at square one with Rob. I still I'm at, like, I'm at square one with him. I think he's, he's said a lot of things, done a lot of things. And I don't know. Like, I don't have to hang out with them. So, and in the end, what does he care what I think of him? Though, if I say anything, he'll probably block me. So that's another fun thing. But he can't because he's left Twitter, Joe. Right. Now, he hasn't deleted his Twitter account. He's just left it. And I, I have a sinking feeling that Rob will definitely be back on Twitter at some time here in the near future. When he when he invents, well, he has Major X. When he creates Colonel X, he's going to come back mm-hmm. and just be all over Twitter. Now, we talk about the Twitter, we talk about he's only going to be on Instagram these days, and Todd, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Are you familiar with the social media application Cameo? No, I've never So what Cameo is, is a way for celebrities of all different uh, places and strides and level of what have you to interact with their fan base for a fee and they'll send you a private video message or a public video message. I've now, heard of this now. I, I do want to preface this by saying that there are a lot of celebrities on here who do donate the proceeds for whatever it is that they charge to charity. Now, there are some, you know, Todd, wouldn't you want to pay $325 to get a personal video greeting from Gary Busey? Oh, my God, I would. He has one of my favorite lines from DC Cab that I can't do on here. Right. Now, I know you'd like to get pay $150 to get a personalized video greeting from Ruth Buzzy. <gasps> that would be great. If I could, if she would hit me with her handbag, that would be even better. 
right? Or perhaps, Todd, you'd like to pay, uh, say, uh, I don't know, let me pull this up here, $135 to get one from Ernie Hudson. <gasps> the best Ghostbuster. Right, and I'm just going through the list of people. There's there's people from all different walks of life, uh, different sort of things. But, Todd, how about $29? You got $29? I, I think I have $29 in my PayPal, Joe. All right. Because for $29, you could get a cameo video from the Rob. Oh, my God. So, I know we have a Patreon. <laughs> right. And I'm throwing it out there. We may put a tier in there to purchase a cameo from Rob. Mm-hmm. I want to see what other creators are on here from the world of comics and entertainment it's a little difficult because everyone kind of gets uh shunted into these different categories that don't quite fit together right too many cosplayers come up when you try to do comic book people right he invents general x i'll double that 29 Mm -hmm. but i'm thinking we do like a one-time hit of Rob doing a cameo. We ask him for his permission to like maybe do like the new opening of the show. Mm-hmm. And maybe whoever submitted to the the Patreon can get like a special shout out in the opening of the show from Rob. The Rob. From the Rob. We can get if we can get him to say the Rob, oh my god, it would be the best ever. Right. Just an idea, just throwing it out there. Rob is putting himself out there. Of only charging $29 to do such a thing. What a nice guy. Mm -hmm. I'm coming back around on the Rob, Joe. He's from square one to square two now. I wonder if any Doctor Whos are on this. Oh my god. Let me see. Who am I looking for? You're looking for Tom Baker to start with. I'm just putting in Doctor Who. No, that doesn't come up. The, the way the search thing works on this. Tom Baker. Now, again, the way that this works is Tom Baker doesn't come up, but Tom Arnold does. <laughs> I take him, too. Right. No, so no, uh, it doesn't appear to be... Who's another Doctor Who that's alive? Um, Try uh, Sylvester McCoy. We're not going to search cameo all night here. I'm no, helping a, you, right? Uh, there's a James McCoy Taylor, a Theo McCoy, a Travi McCoy. I don't know. Now, we could get even morbid on here and start searching for uh, people who are famous that have passed on and still have active cameo accounts. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's for another day. Uh, that would be great. So, big hefty news segment this week. Uh, let's get over into the conventions this weekend, and there is a ton of conventions going on this weekend. There is the Washington State Summer Con. Uh, that's a biggie. as with a lot of big conventions. Everyone's kind of spread out this weekend. Uh, the Washington State Summer Con has Jim Lee, G- uh, Jim Steranko, Roy Thomas, Chris Claremont, Amanda Connor, and Jimmy Palmiotti, Mark Bagley, and then on the celebrity side of things, Billy D. Williams, Carl Weathers, and John Ratzenberg. Ooh. 
in our neck of the woods, Todd, Wizard World Philly. Remember when Wizard World Philly was a thing? Yes, I do. Well, they're trying to bring it back because they've got superstars from the worlds of sports and entertainment there in Sergeant Slaughter, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who accepted Sergeant Slaughter back when Sergeant Slaughter wanted his country back after he was an Iraqi sympathizer. We could ask them both about that. Devon Dudley is going to be there. But I'd say the marquee guest at Wizard World Philly this weekend is Ted Danson. Oh, my goodness. That's fantastic. Uh, the Greater Austin Con in Austin, Texas, uh, has comic book folks such as James O'Barr, Larry Hama, Mike Grell, Sean McKeever. Uh, on the entertainment side of things, Adrian Paul is going to be there. The Highlander. And more world wrestling entertainers than you could shake a stick at. Dustin Rhodes, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Charlotte's grandfather is going to be there. Oh, my goodness. I wonder if he's going to be selling me pizza. Mm, he's been busy lately. <laughs> okay. Somebody needs to keep Rick away from cameras and the internet. Uh, oh, good. I wonder if there's a show that'll talk about that. But anyway, go ahead. While you're in Texas, the Celebrity Fan Fest is taking place in San Antonio, Texas. Jeremy Renner, Jason Momoa, uh, Anthony Mackie, Dolph Lundgren is going to be there. And as always, from the world of sports entertainment, Todd, Finn Balor, Becky Lynch, and Daniel Bryan. And that's three heavy hitters for wrestling. No Alexa Bliss? No Alexa Bliss. They're, they're, I think they're keeping her off the road for reasons. <laughs> there's, I heard there's, there, there's a statement that's put up about, look out for a certain someone. Yes. But there's two other big conventions, Todd, more so of the comic variety, and I'm not sure which one I would want to go to more. Mm-hmm. Because Heroes Con in Charlotte, one of those ones that I always want to go to, like those bucket list conventions, right? Right. Scotty Young, Kyle Starks, Jerry Ordway, Kevin Nolan, Tony Harris, Jose Garcia Lopez, Steve Epting, and Salty Keith. Get that Mark photo with Keith just smiling next to you. But wait, Todd. There's the amazing Comic-Con in Las Vegas. Ryan Otley, Kevin Eastman, Ron Lim, Jim Starlin, George Perez in one of his final non-fetish con appearances. And... Oh, go ahead. I just found out about his fetish con appearance. Yes. He will not be doing signings or sketching at that one. Oh. That's just a personal thing. He said, I won't do anything there because kids can't go to that show. Right. So I'm not going to sign or do my five sketches a day for a hundred bucks that uh, sell out in the first three seconds of, you know, putting them up. <laughs> so. If I do recall, he is still judging some sort of pageant that's taking place at that convention. <laughs> I'm not touching that. Move along. But the other guest that's at the Amazing Con in Las Vegas, Todd, the Rob is going to be there. Whoa. He's making a cameo appearance. Now, <laughs> I will say this. At some point in this convention season, if it already hasn't happened I've, if it already has happened, I've forgotten, but it's got to happen sometime this summer, going toward the end of the year. That convention, where both the Rob and Salty Keith are there. If that's an East Coast con, Todd, we might have to circle the wagons. <laughs> I think that'll happen at New York. I honestly do. Rob's doing the circuit. New York, he's there. And Keith is always at New York because he lives there. Yeah. Hmm. Even if I just do a one-dayer, 
I can make that happen. Yeah. I have, I, I 100% believe I'll have access to a ticket. So we'll discuss down the line. All right. So, uh, that's the convention stuff going on this weekend. Uh, of course, you can find all the information about that over in the show notes uh, that follow this episode, longboxheroes.com. And you can also find this and all the other shows in the soon to be named network or in the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com or soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Whether it be this show, uh, whether it be Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Podvocacy, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever. And then I just saw something come across my feed now uh, over on the Podvocacy feed. Something called Kevin King of the Monsters. I don't know what that is. So I don't know what this is. Uh, if I'm looking at this, Jason uh, Kirk is joined by Mikey from Moonbase 2, where they discuss the recent Godzilla King of the Monsters film. Great film. Way right. better than that piece of garbage that was Shin Godzilla. Now you see, well, uh, this not the show for that because I've seen neither of those and I have no opinions on either one of those. Okay. Uh, and of course, uh, At Odds with Wrestling would show up. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about this week. It's been a slow week in the world of professional wrestling. A lot of questions. I got a lot of things to question the old fancy gentleman about. And talk about people in code so no one talk, puts them up on Twitter. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Exactly. And like I said, anytime any of these folks show up on other shows or do special shows like Jason is doing with uh, Kevin from Moonbase 2, and they remind me of them, they all go up at soontobenamednetwork.com, soontobenamednetwork.tumblr.com, uh, over in the digital sales and freebies and so forth. The freebies still have not changed. I checked wow. even before we started recording. So we are getting to like the longest point that the same block of four freebies are available from Marvel Comics. Uh, but... Again, someone's got to figure that out eventually and change that list. <laughs> uh, some of the other sales, Titan Comics is having a sale on Robotech and Robotech-related comics. Uh, DC is having a sale on event books, and I would assume that's everything from Crisis on Infinite Earth to anything that has Crisis in the title and everything in between. Uh, Marvel is still having a bunch of X-Men sales, the X-Men Saga sale, the X-Men Start Here sale, and the X-Men Dark Phoenix sale, and they also have a Cosmic Warriors sale going on over at Marvel, and that is your ancillary folks, your gladiators, your silver surfers, but of course, I would be remiss, you can get, uh, the Abnett and Landing run of Guardians of the Galaxy, which kind of kicked off the iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy that you may know or love from your movies, you can get that entire run for, let me do my gazintas here, $17. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's some good stuff there. Uh, they have all of Annihilation, like they have the entire Annihilation thing, like in all the tie-ins in. That's some good stuff. <laughs> that's some really good stuff, man. That's what made me care about Marvel Cosmic, those books. Uh, that was I cared about Marvel Cosmic before that, but that's what put Marvel Cosmic back on the map. And yep. I forget who was the villain was in that because there was no clues at all to who <laughs> would create the Annihilation Wave. It really could have been anyone, anybody. I think it was. I think it was Zemu. <laughs> I don't think it was Zemu. Right. 
Uh, so, of course, all those will be over in the show notes as well. Let's get into what we read from this past week, Mr. Todd. Um, if it's okay with you, let's start with your Incredible Hulk book. Okay, Incredible Hulk Last Call, written by Peter David and drawn by Dale Keown, taking us way back into Peter David's run. And this is actually where the book is actually set, is in the middle of his run somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where, but as the story goes on, it gives you clues to, you know, where it is. Uh, I couldn't pinpoint the issue, but I have an idea. Basically, the book starts out with a woman at a suicide hotline prevention uh, thing talking and there's some guy hassling her that she met at a bar. She hangs up and basically she gets the call and it's Bruce Banner. And she's saying, um, you know, you were uh, you were uh, who's his girlfriend at the time, his wife, uh, Betty. I couldn't. Uh, my brain is shot. Betty. Uh, has passed away at this time. She died from something and he's telling this lady because Betty worked with her at the suicide hotline, which I remember, which is that classic AIDS issue. She was working there around that time and she's letting her know that uh, Betty has died and that he's possibly thinking about having himself killed. And he goes, it's never seemed to work, but I've kind of come up with an idea that I, I hired a hitman and I, I told him I pay him, just take me out when I'm not looking uh, if I give the signal, to, he'll do it. If I don't, he'll get to keep the money and walk away. And she ends up discussing, like, what's wrong. And he basically gives the story of how he met Betty and how the Hulk came about. And, like, the history of most of, like, Peter David's run um, and how Betty ended up becoming the Harpy, a, cosmo, uh, a gamma-irradiated character. And, like, maybe what would have happened if he hadn't come? What would What would everybody's lives be like? And this is a really good Peter David story. It's not a great Peter David story. Um, like the Hulks I remember, but even Peter at his not so great is still darn pretty good. And when we find out, you know, spoiler alert, he ends up, uh, wanting to live after the person we find out that was hassling the suicide prevention hotline woman was actually a supervillain called Mr. Hyde. He shows up and the Hulk, uh, hears it on the phone and Bruce hears it and he goes and he saves her. They end up having a talk and he ends up basically giving the sign for the hitman not to do it. And uh, it, it's a really good story. And there's a little nod to who the hitman is and it's fun. Uh, that, that bit it's, it's a heavy book, but I'm a big fan of Peter David. Uh, the one thing I do have to say is at times, the art seems uh, phoned in by Dale Keown a little bit and other times just like he crushes it. If that makes any sense, it's kind of like, Oh, here's the, the woman just talking on the phone. I'm not going to go crazy, but here's him remembering a fight with the, the abomination or something like that. And it's, it's crazy. You know what I mean? So the, the art is uneven, but reminisced on the Peter David road of Hulk. I enjoyed it. I got my, uh, even though it was four ninety nine, I got my four ninety nine out of it. So I was going to ask a bunch of things about this, of course, uh, and you kind of touched on most of the th questions that I had, specifically about the art. Um, a lot of those older artists, and again, I say older artists, we're talking like 30 years ago, like a Dale Keown or someone like that, when their style of art gets kind of digitaled up, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel right or look right. And even sometimes on the different glossy paper. Yeah. It doesn't have like that newsprint was a, like art was, was fine tuned to what it was going to be on back in the day, if that makes any sense. 
Right. So I was going to ask uh, how that felt on the art because the cover looks really good. But if you asked me that it was Dale, if it was a Dale Keown cover or not, I wouldn't be 100% sure just because it looks so clean. And also, I think the new age coloring changes everything. Mm-hmm. I think I've even joked on here before. I said, like, coloring is the new inking. You know what I mean? Right. Makes an artist look completely different. So the other question, of course, is it's Peter David, it's Dale Keown. It takes place somewhere in the midst of the Peter David run in the book. So obviously it was a little unclear of exactly where, which is fine. And again, I would probably pull my hair out because of that sort of thing. But the question I have, I guess, is what is the purpose of this last call book? Is it just to give like this class of creative team, another like one shot at these characters? I would say so because the name comes from last call comes from him, obviously making the call that may be his last, but uh, other than that, it's, I think it's just Peter David telling a one shot story that he would have told in his run. I, I, I honestly believe, I don't know. Did you, did, how much of Peter David's run did you read at all of the Hulk? I mean, uh, I would say like the latter two thirds. Okay. So then do you remember the last issue at all Vague. where, where it's Rick in the future telling stories. It's future Rick. And he's like, well, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And it seemed like Peter had the next seven years of the Hulk mapped out because he gave you a synopsis of where he was going to go. I always feel like Peter David had 300 more Hulk stories in the can, if you ready to go. And this is just another one. He's like, if I had, you know, boom, I would have put this story out and I would have told this story. And there's a bit of a rehash because I can't remember how much is exact new story and how much is a rehash from like, because I remember Betty becoming the harpy, you know what I mean? But I don't remember where and when. So I don't know how much is brand new, the the Mr. Hyde's new, but I just think it's a, a, a familiar book for, for old time readers, which discussing with our local retailer is something Marvel's trying to do after they had all those sales lost or that they're trying to bring back old readers with stuff like, Hey, if we slide Conan out there, maybe we'll get some of those old readers. Maybe if we put a one shot, uh, with Peter David and Dale Keown, that'll bring the old timers back into the comic shop. Maybe they'll see some Marvel stuff that they like. I think this is a lure to bring laps fans back to the comic shop. Mm-hmm. Are they doing any other of these last call books? Um, I don't know if they, I don't know if that's, if that's what they would call other books, but I believe, I think, I don't know. They might've had a few where they've had old creators do one shot or, or minis like Peter Davis doing that symbiote Spider-Man now, which takes place in the old days. So I don't know. I think they're just, trying to capture that old feel, but I don't know if they've done any other creators off the top of my head, because this is the only one that I kind of get whatever he does when he does something at Marvel. So I, I haven't kept my eyes open that much, if that makes any sense. Gotcha. Cause I was wondering like, if this was like a line of books that they were doing, like kind of like when, like the end books where they'd be like, this is the final Hulk story or the final Punisher story or thing. I think this is only called the last call just because 
you know, of the story. And maybe we won't get any more Peter David and Dale Keown, but I have a feeling we'll get another Peter David Hulk story as long as he's got some breath in his lungs. Gotcha. So I'm glad you enjoyed this. Yes. Even though it may have had a hefty price tag. It was only a buck more. I've spent more on less. Uh, so moving along, a uh, book that I know we both read, uh, that being Criminal Number no. 5, written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips. This ties into what the overarching story is going to be. I know we've had some pitfalls and some sidetracks on this. We had that little like two-issue story after the first issue, but the main crux of this is a lead character, Dan Faraday, former Vietnam vet, current private detective, searching down a woman uh, who was essentially a mistress for a rich man. And then again, of course, it ties into everything that's going on in this current uh, iteration of Criminal, which goes into everything else that Brubaker and uh, Phillips have done with these characters. Mm -hmm. So I want to say this book makes me want to be a private detective. It makes me want to and not want to be all in the same day. Well, it makes me want to because I know all the stuff that Dan's doing wrong and I wouldn't do those things. I, I, I know what you're saying. The character, there's a great bit where he is standing there and he's like, I need the money because this guy's paying cash and he's rich. The mortgage is due. And he's like, and as the guy's talking, he's like, red flag. He's like, another red flag, another red flag. If I didn't need the money so bad, I would not be anywhere near this case. And once again, Ed Brubaker makes a completely compelling, like, argument in the story of why I'm like, yeah, as I'm reading it, I'm like, Danny boy, run away. This is a terrible case to take. And then he falls down the rabbit hole of the hell, the hopeless romantic, which are the worst people in the world. I'll tell you. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it, it's really good. It is. It, Ed Brubaker knows how to write a book. That's all I can say. Yep. And again, there's not really much more to say about this. Um, it, it's every issue could be a jumping on point And every issue is so mired in the continuity of what's come before it, but it doesn't make it, impenetrable yes because we get like what the last like two or three pages are the other angle of stuff that happened in the first issue mm -hmm. so i like that idea because we've kind of been thrown off the trail of that story it set things up that we were going to see the demise of teague a character that we've seen throughout all of these criminal books he shows up in issue one we get some hints of an issue two and then nothing for three and four Nothing in issue five until those last two pages. Right. So I love the way that everything gets tied together. And I think if not the first time, but at least the first time in a very long time, this is uh, the deepest that Brubaker has gotten on the procedural side of a private detective. I think so. I think he's done it. You mean in criminal or anywhere? In criminal. Okay, because I'm trying to remember in some of those other stories that he did. Um, yeah, because the other people were just trying to solve mysteries without being, without actually being detectives. You know what I mean? So I get it. But then there's some other cop stuff that if you count it, private is cop versus private investigator. I don't know. You know what I mean? Right. So. 
But Criminal is re- it's really good. Uh, you know, we always say to check it out. Um, I, Brubaker does kind of reward you for getting those single issues, of course. Mm-hmm. But any way that you can get Criminal, I say get it. It's great. And it's starting to make sense, his plan for reprinting this book. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you said, how it's bouncing around. It's like, yeah, I'm reprinting this way. Even though it may have ticked off a few people. Mm-hmm. I trust Ed Brubaker. I, I have a feeling he knows what he's doing. That's right. Yeah. Anybody, you know, anybody who writes as well as he does, I'll give the benefit of the doubt for, oh, I don't know, five years worth of, of your book. Right. And then I'll I'll let you slide in the sixth year and then the seventh year. If you haven't gotten your stuff together, then maybe I'll think about, you know, just going to trades or something. That's right. Uh, so the last book that we're going to discuss uh, from this past week is Walking Dead number 192. Now, there was a time when we talked about Walking Dead quite a bit on the show, and it's not like Walking Dead has somehow, like, dipped in quality. Um, I would obviously, disagree with that, but go ahead. Okay, so it may not be the same book that it's always been, and I think a lot of that has been maybe due to the TV show and maybe how closely things may or may not be tied to the TV show. We kind of fell off the... T- You're still watching the TV show, right? Yeah, because I have nothing better to do on a Sunday night, so... Right, but it's not like appointment viewing. We don't talk about it on the show anymore. Right, no. It's kind of changed a bit, and the, the book has kind of changed a bit as well. But the reason that we're discussing this, and I'm putting a little note in with the show notes of that we're talking about spoilers here. And the reason that we're discussing this book is the thing that we have discussed happening in this book for, what, eight years has finally Mm -hmm. happened. So the end of the previous issue. So what's been going on in Walking Dead more recently is they Eugene through the CB radio was talking to someone in secret, found out that they were in a town that was set up that they had reestablished everything almost back to as close as they possibly could to a real civilization with a currency and stores and a working government and all this sort of stuff they even have like sports teams right so what turns up happening is of course every time that rick and his crew find out about something like this they decide to go there but rick kind of has some apprehension apprehension about it because the last six times that they've done this, bad things have always happened. So they go and they see that Michonne's daughter, who had been previously thought to be lost, dead long ago from Michonne's first appearance, like around issue like 19 to 20, is alive and here. So we get a lot of that reuniting of Michonne and her daughter, who previously thought to be dead for hundred, you know, dozens of issues. And through this relationship and through Michonne, we get to see that everything isn't what it seems at the town. So now Michonne goes back to Rick and says, we need to do something. Rick is still apprehensive about it. There's some turmoil. There's people that see Rick as this figure who could fix things. But Rick, of course, again, apprehensive about this because he knows how these things end. They always end horribly for the place that they go to. Rick gives this big speech. Everyone's all happy about it, and they're like, you're the new guy in charge. And he says, no, I'm not. We'll stay here. We'll we'll try to get get this all worked out, but I can't be in charge. Because bad things happen when I'm in charge. Well, the woman who is in charge, her son is a bit of a 'er ne'er-do-well. 
Um, kind of like if you're an older person like myself or Todd, what like the uh, William Kennedy Smith types would be. Uh, the polit- the politician's no good son who just kind of does whatever he wants because he thinks he can get away with it because his parent is in some sort of big political position. Right. At the end of issue 191, he breaks into the room where Rick is and shoots him. And that's the end of the issue. They leave you on a cliffhanger. Oh man, Rick's been shot. What's going to happen? Come back to issue 192. We come back to issue 192 and he puts six more bullets in Rick. Mm. That's like the first three pages. So it's like, oh my goodness, where do we go from here? Comes to the morning. Carl's going to go get his dad because they're going to go get some breakfast. Carl notices some blood coming out of the door, opens up the door and sees a walker, and his immediate reaction, as he's been trained to do for all these years, is to shoot that walker right between the eyes, but it's his dad. And now you've got these two huge emotional beats that have just happened in this book, and we're talking about it because we've always said that this book is not about Rick, it's about Carl, and now that is beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. Or is it? Or is it? Because then, after all this, the whole thing—what's going to happen to the to the son who killed Rick originally? They put him in jail, and Carl kind of like, "I'm good with that because because you know this is what my father would want." But if I ever see you out of here, like you know, it's one to the head and it's over. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, all right, so I'm going to take the ba- the body back. She's going to be buried with Andrea, which was what he'd want. And they're like, oh, there's a few people who want to go with you. And he looks over and like there's all these people who looked up to Rick and they're like, we're going to go for this for this ride. And then along the way, Carl just collapses. And he's like, I I can't, you know, he's gone. Everything we had was because of him. And there's a great line. I'm getting goosebumps. This is he's like, I can't go on, go on without him. I can't do this. Not anymore. And it just seems like Rick or uh, Carl is not ready for all of this. He is. It's it's going to become his book as you well. He said this was you know the the Carl book, uh, but he looks like he doesn't want it. You know what I mean? And that I think is making the book going to go down a very interesting path. Now I I ask you, not storyline wise, do you think Kirkman finally did this because? of the rumor and innuendo in innuendo that Andrew Lincoln, who plays Rick on the TV show is either leaving or is thinking about leaving. Well, that I... this kind of pushed this story to happen maybe at a different time than Kirkman wanted. Like maybe Kirkman wanted to do this at issue 150 and held off on it because Rick was the star of the TV show. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. Mm hmm. But I think, you know, Rick dying or being thought to be dead at the end of not this season, but this like the beginning of the beginning of this last season. It wasn't long into the season that he disappeared. and He got spirited off in a helicopter. Um, And then they said he's doing those five or three or five movies, whether they're TV movies or theater movies. Don't know. Don't care. I always felt that that was the end of Rick. That's it. Like Rick is they're They kind of want their cake and eat it too. So they can have Rick somewhere else, but he doesn't have to be on the weekly show. I do not think it had anything to do with this storyline. I think this, if anything, I'm surprised it didn't happen in 200, mm-hmm. but I think that would have been too 
telling, yes. if you will, that he wanted it set up. Now they can do something big in 200 that's not the de- the thing you would expect. Because every big, you know, the uh, 100 had, what was it, the death of uh, Glenn, right? Yes. So that that's what he wanted to do. That being said, I'm not sure how I take the way Rick got taken out by a nobody. Like, I know that's what he probably wanted, uh, Kirkman wanted, because whoever takes him out can't be the big baddie. You know what I mean? Like, because that's really, in your terms, putting him in over. So you get a nobody, but how does it move the story along? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm torn on how Rick went out, but I think Rick went out where he wanted him to go out. I don't mm-hmm. think... Because they have changed so much in the TV show. Yep. It's so far gone since season two. They've yep. changed things that he's not beholden to that TV show. Yep. Once, uh, what's his face? Who plays the Punisher? Uh, John Berthenol. Berth, Berthenol. Berenthal. Berenthal. Right. Once he made it out of season one, all bets were off. I agree. But they would kind of weave in and out a bit, you know, with your governors and your Negans and your thises and your thats. So it is kind of like an alternate reality Walking Dead. But mm-hmm. I was just wondering maybe if you felt that there no. was um, TV implications, not on screen, but behind the scenes that they decided now is the time to pull the trigger on Rick. But into the, you know, kind of a little bit of news, of course. 191 of Walking Dead is a hot book. 192 is a hot book. Uh, with 193 coming out, Image has decided to make it 100% returnable to retailers. Because anybody who wants to get out because Rick is dead, mm-hmm. they won't get stuck with those books. Or, but- or conversely, if this has renewed interest in The Walking Dead, we want to make sure that you have enough to fulfill those orders. And right. no fear. If you but, think that you need to order 400 copies of this, and you do, and you only sell 300, those other 100 are 100 or are completely returnable. But that doesn't make any sense, Joe, because your orders are already in by the time this – it's 193. It'll be out in less than a month. Well, okay. So as of the recording of the show, the was the final cutoff date for 193. Oh, was it? Okay. I, I know yes. it's close to the month. I thought it had passed already. No. You know what I mean? No, no. And I'm sure if we found out about this Monday, then retailers probably found out about this prior to this. Well, no, well, uh, I don't know about the them knowing when, but they know where their final cutoffs are at all times. Right, but I not the not knowing oh. the final cutoff, but knowing that it's 100% returnable. Okay, I thought maybe it happened after the final cutoffs, and they're like to ease your worries that you're going to lose all these fans because Rick is gone. We're going to make all this book return because that's why I think it didn't, it didn't factor in the TV show because Kirkman's got all the money in the world now, mm-hmm. you know, he's made his money off the TV show. Why would I be beholden? I could screw walking dead up the book to high heaven and I still have all that TV money. So they're not going to tell me what to do on this book. So that's why I look at it. And he looks at it as I'm not going to screw over the retailers because I don't need the money on this book. You know what I mean? If it goes south, I'm not going to hurt these guys who made me. So I don't know. I think this is this makes me look up to Kirkman more, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um, but again, I like that you think that they're making it returnable because people are going to give the book up because Rick is dead. I didn't say that. I said that retailers are worried because sometime go into our local comic shop 
and asked Matt or our local retailer the things people say on message boards to big companies. It's fantastic. They melt down at the drop of a hat, Joe. So I think this is, oh, my God, Rick is dead. What am I, I'm going to lose all kinds of sales. And, you know, there'll be a ton of those people screaming at Image in their emails or wh- however they, they do those kind of things. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, my. Sorry, a little insider uh, news there for yep, you. Yep, yep. So, sure, sure. Uh, so, you know, let us know. Uh, are you done with Walking Dead? Have you given up on it? Or has this caused you to uh, give the book another try? In the comments or on Twitter or however it is that you interact with us. Uh, but that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them mailed to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out. As Todd and I always do, we attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is still in the lead with two correct guesses over me. Can he widen the gap? Or will I be able to choose from the monstrosity of books that he has what he is most looking forward to coming out? Mm-hmm. So I go first, right? Yes, sir. Looking over your list... And I know there's a book that you're always looking forward to, Immortal Hulk 19, but you're a big Donny Cates fan, too. So is the book you're looking forward to most Silver Surfer Black number one? It is Silver Surfer Black number one. Uh, It's Donny Cates and Trad Moore who did that uh, Thanos run. And this is allegedly to be bridging that Thanos stuff to the upcoming Venom and Carnage stuff. So I'm very intrigued to see where that goes. Right. As for you, I know I fumbled on this last month, but I think this is the time that I'm going to make the touchdown here. That the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Gunning for Hits number six. It is not. It is also <sighs> Silver Surfer Black number one. Gotcha. Co- cosmic stuff with uh, Donny Cates. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I thought he did really good with the Thanos stuff. Exactly. Silver okay. Surfer is another one of those ones that I'll always give a shot to whenever he gets mm-hmm. a miniseries ongoing or what have you. And if the last of uh, Gunning for Hits, the last issue, hadn't really tripped over its own premise, um, I, I would be all over this. But I, I'm looking forward to Silver Surfer. Gotcha. I'd kind of fallen behind on Gunning for Hits myself. A lot of right. stuff to read. I gotcha. I don't. I wouldn't know anything about that. Look at my list. I slim and you know a, a slender read of a, of a list, if you will. <laughs> so while you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the stuff that Todd and I have done in the past, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the 2017 Smash Sensation. Todd and Joe have issues. You can also click on a little button there for our store where you could purchase shirts or stickers or pins with our fancy logo on it, designed by DC Comics artist extraordinaire Tom Derenick. If you want more support for not only Longbox Heroes, but also add-ons with wrestling, also the soon-to-be-named network, you can go to our Tee Public store, where you can buy a myriad of designs of those shows on shirts and stickers and mugs and throws and all sorts of nonsense. Or you can always help us out 
the old-fashioned way, which is by clicking on the Amazon link across the top of the page. does not charge you an extra cent, but it gives us a little bit of a kickback uh, advertising fee from Amazon because if it was not for this show, you, dear listener, would not know that Amazon existed. And we've been having a lot of good weeks. And again, I do thank you, listeners, for that, of course, for making all of your purchases, taking that extra time, that extra step, setting up your family's home computers to make them think that we're Amazon. However it is that you're doing, I do thank you immensely uh, for that. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week were somebody purchased a Marvel retro action figure of Storm, kind of in the costume from the animated series. Uh, Someone also purchased a six-pack of Sterilite Medium Ultra Baskets with titanium inserts. Someone also purchased, I'm sure for their child, a kid's case for a Fire HD, the Tyrion lightweight shockproof handle, so on and so forth, uh, cover in red. My son actually has the same one in blue, plus a three-pack of Super Shield screen protectors. Uh, someone, and I'm maybe going to guess the same person, purchased a Las Vegas 51's Man Motion t-shirt which is a reference to something that I don't know, but somebody also purchased a Happy Treason Day Ungrateful Colonists t-shirt, which has, like, the Union Jack flag on it for Fourth of July. Right. And that's a fun joke shirt there with the Happy Treason Day Ungrateful Colonists. (laughs) And again, new to the ways to support us here at Longbox Heroes, of course, is the Patreon, uh, either a buck a month, get you some access to some old shows that Todd and I did with our friend DJ 10 years ago, or five bucks is going to get you uh, access to After Dark two days before everybody else. We're not going to really hammer it home, but if you're over at longboxheroes.com, the link's right there. Mm-hmm. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not have any art attacks this week. Oh my goodness, two weeks in a row. I know, I'm sad. You need to go to a convention, or you need to learn how to draw. You need to do something. Or I need to buy some art off of eBay. We'll see. Right. There you go. I hope you weren't staying up late at night and lamenting (laughs) about this on Twitter at some point, hoping and praying that someone wouldn't trick you into buying some art and then you end up buying some art. That's that's a that's that could happen, Joe. That could happen. I'm easily swerve uh, swayed into buying art. Yes. Art opportunities. Uh, Art scam or art opportunity. (laughs) So. Uh, I think that closes up this part of the show before we get into some TV discussion. That's right. So if you are not up to date on Good Omens or the sadly canceled before it's time (laughs) Swamp Thing, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening to episode 454, Longbox Heroes. And uh, Todd, I'll let you pick of what uh, we start with. Um, You want to go with Good Omens? Let's go with Good Omens. I'll start with that one. You uh, want me to take over, or are you going to do sure, it? Sure, go for it. All right. Uh, as as we've last left them, uh, Aziraphale and Crowley have lost the uh, Antichrist. So this starts, you know, and the uh, Armageddon is going to be happening in, in a mere days. And so basically the angels, Gabrielle, co- comes to... As Zerafel to tell him everything's been set in motion in a great scene uh, of them trying to act like total humans, um, and that the four horsemen will be summoned and everything's good to go. And we also see that the demons are contacting Crowley separately because giving their plans of what's going to happen. And then we see that there now that the uh, 
to form the four horsemen of the apocalypse that's been outsourced from the angels. So a UPS like company has decided to summon war. So they go to like this, this uh, place in Africa where there's a peace summit and she shows up wars a she, and she just, you know, throws everything into a tizzy with it because she gets her sword from the UPS guy and he leaves getting war ready for Armageddon. Then we get thrust into a flashback 360 years ago to the last uh, witch burning where we meet uh, uh, Major uh, Pulsifer, who is the, the witch finder, and he's going to find Agnes Nutter, who uh, is actually a witch. She And she seems to, like, as they discuss the things in her village, she's, she's helped a lot of people. She's, she obviously sees things that running is going to be a thing for your health in the future, and they don't understand it. So you could tell that her prophecies are kind of true, and they go get her, and she's like, all right, you should have been here 10 minutes ago, and she walks herself to the pyre, which is kind of kind of weird. She's like, just light me up. Get everybody get closer. You don't want to miss anything. And she has... Uh, sewn gunpowder and nails into her petticoat to to get revenge for for all the people but she has written a book that she wants and she wrote a book so she can get the free copy to pass down through her her family which i don't know if they named it now or later but it's called the uh accurate prof the nice and accurate prophecies of agnes nutter i think when her daughter and her husband find it, it's called that, like, right from the rip. Right. I just know that. And and also, I think, as Rafael is looking for a copy of that book, um, or someone calls the shop looking for it. So then we cut to right around the time, again, where Adam is being born, uh, the Antichrist, and we meet uh, Agnes Nutter's descendant, Anthema, uh, Anathema, up uh nutter and she's someone who's being set up to stop the uh armageddon and we also meet a young uh newton pulsifer who's the witch finder's descendant and he's terrible with computers uh then we cut to our present time and we see where both of them are at uh pulsifer is working for uh, a company to on computers and he just destroys that again also wearing a fourth doctor scarf tie which I found absolutely fantastic. Um, his car is named Dick Turpin, which, you know, doesn't get, you know, that joke doesn't land this episode. And we also get Anthema going to Tadfield grown up to look for the Antichrist. Um, while this is going, Newton loses his job because he's terrible with computers and meets Witchfinder Sergeant Shadwell, who's played by Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy. That's who I thought it was. Yes. yes. And he's doing a fantastic uh, Scottish accent. Um, while this is going on, we find out that Crowley has a green thumb by scaring the hell out of plants by talking to them. I thought that was that was cute. So then Newton uh, goes to uh, the Witchfinder's house to, to, to join up, and he meets Madam Tracy, who's a fortune teller, and maybe a prostitute. <laughs> so and he she thinks he's there he's there for her but he tells her i'm here for shadwell and shadwell's like starts berating the madam because like you're a harlot and a jezebel but you can see that she genuinely likes him in that way and he's kind of you know uh 
taken aback by it. Uh, while this is going on, Azrafel and Crowley decide, hey, maybe we'll team up and we'll go back to where the hospital was born and we'll get clues to find out where uh, the, the the kids are. So they go back, but they find out that the 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 hospital has been changed into a retreat for business people to have like, I don't know, team building exercises and it's all paintball and guns and it's run by the nun who screwed up the switch 11 years ago. And she tells him that there was a fire because Haster, the demon burned the place down. And so they don't really have any luck there. But then we cut to like, we get to learn a little bit more about the kids that are, have befriended Adam and their personalities and their backgrounds and everything. Um, but, uh, like I said, the, the hospital has been burned down. There's, they, uh, as they're driving back, Crowley and Aziraphale, uh, they end up hitting, uh, the witch while she's looking for Adam and they end up taking her home. And while that happens, she ends up leaving the book, the, the prophecy book in, in the car. So, uh, the the demon and the angel decide they're going to they're they're going to go separate for a minute and get their teams of people that they both have they have agents on earth humans that they're going to set them out to look for for the antichrist and they're like should they work together nah because i don't think they're going to get along and uh, we'll do separate things um as he's getting out of the car the angel finds the book and freaks out cuz he's always wanted one and runs in and starts reading it and this is where we find like really that the prophecies are real. Like he, he like it's talking right to him as he reads it. And he's reading one of the things and he comes up with the number, the, the number and the, that the beast is probably in Tad, uh, Tadfield. And he's like, the number of the beast is, and he, and he puts it all together and he uses the area code and six, six, six to call it. And he, now he knows he gets Adam's house and the father answers the phone and he freaks out. He's like, and I, a joke that I do love where he goes, sorry, right number. And he ends up hanging up. And now he has information as to where Adam, the antichrist is. And that's where we, where we end the episode for us. Episode two. But so, uh, what did you think? I really like the episode. Short answer. Long answer is or long response, I guess would be they set up the premise so perfectly in the first episode. And now in the second episode, I don't want to say that they've strayed from it, but they've added way more to it than they really needed to. And I mean that in the best way possible. Because now that you've added all these other elements, the witch finder, the witch, the personality of the kids, the four horsemen, uh, all these different things, now everything is just going to be coming at you from all these different directions Mm-hmm. And you're just going to have to be on your toes for these last four episodes. And by me, I you, I mean me, because right. you've already watched the whole thing. I haven't got a chance to watch the whole thing yet. But now that you've added so many more pieces and so many more players, it's going to be such a chaotic show. I can't wait to see what happens next. Right. And I think, like I said, the two actors who are playing the angel and the demon, uh, they're fantastic. And how they have a relationship and like how some people probably see it as lovers, as gay lovers. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. 
And I think like there's a moment where they they help the witch and she's getting out of the car and he's like, All right, are we done here? Like uh, uh Crowley's like, Are we done here? And she's like, Yeah, we we dropped her off, we're good. The angel's like, We're good, and he goes, he goes, Okay, Angel, let's get on the road. And she kind of looks at them, and in the book that's played up as like she was worried being in a, a car with two male strangers, and as she gets out, she's like Oh, that clears everything up. I was never in any danger with these guys. Like where we don't know if they like secretly love each other or if they're just really good friends. And I kind of like that aspect in the book. It's, it's just people think it in this, it looks like maybe they kind of do care about each other in that way, but we're not sure. So I, I like that about this take on the, the, the series, if you will. Right, so I can't wait to see what happens next because now I literally have no idea what's going to happen next. We still have three more horsemen to <laughs> be introduced to. Um, you know, the kids playing Witchfinder. Uh, mm-hmm. The new Witchfinder seems to be bumbling, and the one played by Michael McKean doesn't seem to be much better. Oh, wait. The, right, so all of these things being added, as insignificant as they may seem have to pay off mm-hmm. they're not being introduced for no reason and and there's little stuff like when young and whatever the witch reads a prophecy with her mother because they predicted that apple would happen right and so they're rich to cover their expenses to do the things they have to do to save the world she reads a a a prophecy that just spells out everything that happens in the end like having seen it from the beginning you know and then knowing the book a little bit uh, like she basically reads like a passage and you're like that is the complete ending of this book and you don't know it reading it now and like if you go go back and watch it again it's so it's so much better obviously you won't me i'll watch it 17 times and buy it on dvd when it comes out but i just find that amusing that there's a lot of stuff here that you don't get or understand until the end it's it's deeper than that if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so but i'm glad you're enjoying it i'm really glad yes sir so i found out your wife enjoyed the book so that's that's true that's true she did right so, uh, the other thing that we watched this past week was the second episode of Swamp Thing. Uh, the little girl that we are introduced to in the first episode, kind of uh, the first patient that we see that gets infected by whatever's going on in the swamp, she apparently has a link with Alec Holland being the Swamp Thing itself, uh, mm-hmm. kind of mimicking and mirroring what he's going through. Uh, so that is kind of the undercurrent of the episode, uh, we get Abby and Matt, uh, the police officer, the old, and he kind of, the fact that so early he lets her know about the crush that he, Matt, has on her, Abby, was interesting. Uh, obviously, we, readers of Swamp Thing, know that that was coming, but to have it revealed so early uh, makes me think that they're going to kill Matt off soon. Wonder if he'll turn into a bird. Mm-hmm. But right. anyway. Uh, then we get the definitive answer, because I know last week we had postulated that uh, Avery, uh, Sutherland, the old man, mm-hmm. that maybe he was the red herring behind all this. Nope, comes right out. He's the one behind it all. Yeah, I thought maybe his wife would be the the the, the bad person. She's having different things going on. But there's a couple of moments with Avery where and you and there were a couple of times where I genuinely fell for what he was saying. 
And then right after it, you're like, you're a jerk. Yep. You're the villain. And that's what they say. He's manipulative and he'll get you false sense of security. And then bam. And there's a couple of things where he talks with Abby and he's like, I'm sorry for everything that happened. Oh, I can't give you any of the files. I can't give you any of the files. That's all stuff that's going to make me rich. But no matter what happens, you'll always be welcome here. And there's a great line that she says that just will always stick with me. She's like, you always had a way of making a no sound like a favor. And I was like, that's really good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he's definitely a bad guy. Right. So, well, obviously, because he has Jason Woodrue and Jason Woodrue's wife, Jason Woodrue, I'm sure nothing bad will happen to him, No. Uh, show up, and they were the ones that developed the agent, the reactant, that's supposed to be accelerating the growth to turn all the swamp land into land that he could develop on. There's your plan. It's the Kevin Spacey, Lex Luthor plan from Superman Returns. <laughs> he wants to develop land. Fine. That's great. Things are going to get much, much worse for all of these people. I loved Jason Woodrue in this. Love, loved, love. Oh, my God. He was so good. And I, and I, I don't think anything bad will happen to Jason Woodrue, especially if it was scheduled to happen in episode 11, 12, or 13. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, the sets are still there. They could still go back and do some pickup work. That's right. Um, but, uh, so in trying to investigate what Alec was up to... Um, Abby is kind of a step behind the actual police with Matt Cable, and I forget his name, the actor who plays Blue Devil, who just runs a video store in the Sharknado guy. Everyone's Sharknado guy. Well, he was the main character. Oh. Ian Ian Zeering? Yeah, that's who that was. Oh, get out of town. Yeah. I didn't know. Look at me. I don't know nothing. I'm not up on my 90210 cast members. He sadly. wasn't the roller coaster operator. He was somebody else. He uh, was the he's main the only, character. Roller coaster operator is the only one I care about. Right. So obviously we get introduced to him. I'm sure that'll play into something, or even not. Maybe it's just a throwaway gag. Oh my God. Um, we get a little bit of information that maybe before he uh, was blown away, that Alec was crushing on Abby a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do it in a very sweet, very innocuous way, uh, not to kind of hammer things over the head. And I'm sure we'll get uh, some sort of amorous relationship between her and the swamp creature by the end of the what have you. Uh, n- some of his fruit. Right. Uh, so the little girl is on her way out to the swamp to find the swamp thing. She stows away on a police boat. The police boat snatches upon two folks uh, pulling out. That accelerant, the reactant out of the swamp. Uh, one guy has a much cooler head. The other guy hooks the cop in the face with like this big funky hook. <laughs> and Generic then, crazy bog guy. In right. And then, of course, while trying to cover up the body, he, see, he finds the little girl. So now he's on the chase for the little girl. And we get our big first swamp thing uh, deal where he essentially blows that guy up. Yep. So, outside of a few a little bit more dodgy special effects, I thought the special effects were a little bit better in episode one. Some of the effects in this were a little suspect, um, but still very good. Still uh, uh, a head and wig above what we see in Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I thought it was good. The The show's moving along at a nice clip, and uh, I'm intrigued to see where all these characters are going to end up. I, I have ideas based on their past comic book relationships. But uh, who knows what this TV show will bring? 
I'm with you. I like this episode a little more. Maybe uh, some of the effects are dodgy because this is when the tax forms were starting to roll in. (laughs) (laughs) And be like, "Uh uh-oh, start, you know, cutting back. But the the two things that I just want to talk about really quick, and then I'm pretty much done, is when Swamp Thing's having his breakdown because he's starting to realize his body and he's tearing at like things and ripping his head away. And the girl in bed is having the same reaction. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a great scene and I know it's cliche for the big bad monster to have heavy footsteps and, and ominous music, but it's cliche cause it works. Like they project how powerful the swamp thing is. With it, like every step, it's like boom, 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 and the music. And I'm like, man, if I had like super surround sound going on right now, this would be amazing. But Mm -hmm. just how they project strength in Swamp Thing, I absolutely love it. And like him doing the thing, like he's like punching through stuff and throwing the guy. I'm like, this is horror. This there's no superhero junk in this at all. And I'm really sad that this is canceled. I really am. Well, it's but not canceled. Still There's still eight more. more episodes. There's still eight more episodes. That's right. Not canceled. Bringing it back right. full circle. What? I said bringing it back full circle. Exactly. All right. Uh, so next week we'll have more discussion of Good Omens, Swamp Thing, and Krypton Returns. I thought that returned on the 21st. Nope, the 12th. Oh, the 12th. Okay. Yes. Uh, so as this episode goes live, Krypton is uh, going up, as uh, is this weekend Jessica Jones returns for season three. Ah. And on top of all of that, the uh, new Ed Brubaker, and I want I don't want to I can't I don't want to say Harmony Corinne, but some sort of big time director type person, uh, their Amazon original show Too Old to Die Young premieres. We have to have a talk about what we're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of Nicholas Winding Refin. Nicholas Winding Refin. You sound Uh, like an old Kresgen mm -hmm. bit. (laughs) Something about the uh, uh, Funkin' Wagnalls jar on the desk. Right, on the front porch. Something's winding, something's refining. You would know him from the uh, movie, oh boy, what is it? Uh, Drive. Drive was his big hit that he did. Was that the one with, uh, I, I, okay. Cause there's been a couple of movie called drive, but I think I know the famous one. That's the one Ryan Gosling. Yeah. That was, that movie was so overrated, but mm. that's all I'm going to say. I think that might answer the question regarding, uh, too old to die young then, huh? Well, no, that doesn't mean, Hey, listen, Ed Brubaker, uh, lifts all boats. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is true. Right. All right, everybody. So I think that wraps up episode 454, the fifth anniversary extravaganza. That is true. We gave it our all for the fifth year anniversary. Some gave all and most gave some. That's right. All right, everyone. So for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Uh, And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. 